So we've been spending the past couple of months looking at the book of 1 Thessalonians and uh, we've learnt that Paul had had to leave a very small new church after a, a very short amount of time, about three weeks I believe, due to some strife that had come about. And he was worried about them. And um, we heard from Pastor Lionel a couple of weeks ago, he said Paul was so worried he stuck a stamp on Timothy and sent him off with his letter and instructions to come back with um, word on how this small group of believers were doing. Paul tells this group of Christians, he sends message with Timothy and he tells them that he's hearing about them from the surrounding towns and communities. Their example is being seen and heard by others and Paul wants them to continue being an honest and hard-working group of people, to continue being affectionate and encouraging of each other, to continue building each other up with words and actions and to continue loving their neighbours and growing stronger in their faith. This letter from Paul was one of encouragement and instruction for the new believers and it, it is a message that is still relevant to us today, very much so. So we're now up to the part um, and we're looking at the end of chapter 4 and the first part of chapter 5, 1 Thessalonians 4, starting at verse 13 going through to 5, um, 11. But we don't have time to read the whole uh, passage tonight, but uh, today, but I encourage you to read it through for yourself. As in other chapters, the last part of 1 Thessalonians 4, Paul is talking about what to expect with the return of Christ. And we've said that this is a new group of believers. And naturally, when you're new at something, you don't understand it. So they would have had a lot of questions. And one of the main things they wanted to know was what would happen to their family and friends if they died, uh, family and friends who had died before them. And that's what this scripture is about. They're asking they had asked and Paul was responding to them. Chapter 4 verse 13, Paul says, And now, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen to the believers who have died. So you will not grieve like people who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, we also believe that when Jesus returns, God will bring back with him the believers who have died. And then we skip down to chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. Now, brothers and sisters, about times and dates, we don't need to know, we don't need to, to write to you, for you know already, you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. So I'm going to say straight up, I'm no theologian. I, uh, there's much about the Bible that I don't understand. And... Uh, you know, it is confusing and I'm sure that you also find parts of the Bible that are confusing, but there is one thing that I am absolutely confident about and that's the hope of heaven. I am confident that Jesus loves me and he loves you and that he died on the cross for us and that one day he's going to return just like he promised he would. We don't know when that will be. But you know what? We don't need to know what, when that will be. We don't need to worry about that. What we do need to worry about is 
Are we ready? Am I ready? Are you ready? Am I living in the light and do I have the hope of heaven? So how do we do that? Paul says in chapter 5, of verse, uh, ch- chapter 5 verse 8, But let us who live in the light be clear-headed, protected by the armour of faith and love, and wearing as our helmet the confidence of salvation. Paul tells us to be clear-headed, protected by the armour of faith and love, and wear the helmet of salvation with confidence. Being clear-headed. Paul tells them to stop getting themselves all worried about how it will happen, how the return of Christ will happen, when it will happen. He says, but you brothers and sisters are not in darkness So the day of the Lord's return should not surprise you. He tells them, remember, you are children of God, children of light. So rather than living in fear of what might or might not happen, be clear-headed and confident that you are children of God. Reading through this letter from Paul to this young church reminds me of letter writing when I was living in Papua New Guinea. Growing up as a missionary kid, letter writing was very much a part of our lives and we still have all of mum's letters home from way back when they first went there in 1960. Um, She wrote back to her supporters and to her family and they make for interesting reading. When we were um, school aged, we went and lived in a boarding school and part of the compulsory Sunday afternoon nap time was compulsory writing home time and I admit there were times where I didn't have as much enthusiasm in writing letters home but when we received letters from mum and dad that were very welcome and look forward to them very much. Most of those letters were written by mum but when there was something important dad would add a little bit or later on when I was a teenager and, or an adult and life's difficulties became a, a, a bit more, I would get whole letters from Dad. He would be encouraging. He would be giving his fatherly advice. And it didn't matter where in the world I was, his letters were always encouraging always filled with love. And once I read those letters, I knew what I needed to do with the situation that I was facing. If I was getting myself all tied up in knots over something or a decision that I had to make, Dad would help me to be clear-headed and to bring me back into focus. Paul, in his letter to the Thessalonians, is telling them, as children of the light, As believers, don't get caught up in the worry and the details of what will or won't happen. He says, be clear-headed and don't be distracted. This group of believers had the hope of heaven and he is telling them to live as children of the light with that hope. The second thing that Paul encourages this group of believers is to be protected by the armour of their faith and love. What was that faith and love? It's what Paul had taught them about when he was with them for that very short time. 
their faith and their love in God. He says, remember the basics. Remember what I taught you. Remember the roots of your belief. Jeremiah 17 verses 7 to 8, we read, Blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and their confidence. They are like trees planted along a riverbank with roots that reach deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by long months of drought. Their leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit. Keep holding on to that faith and love because it will protect you despite what comes your way. As believers, our hope and our faith is in God. And it doesn't matter what comes along, we're able to flourish even when we face uncertainties. Like right now, our world is gripped by a pandemic and we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know what's going to be 2021, what, what it's going to be like. We don't know when there's going to be a vaccine around. But we can't be crippled by that fear. We have to follow the rules and be obedient to our authorities, but we can't allow something that we don't know about to fear and cripple us because God knows the end of the story. As Pastor Jono um, shared with us a couple of weeks ago, he said, he spoke about the replay advantage and how God knows the end story. And, and our job is just to rest in that confidence. The third thing that Paul told this group of believers was to wear the helmet as a confidence of their salvation. Verse 10, Christ died for us so that whether we are dead or alive, when he returns, we can live with him forever. About 47 years ago, I remember I was really afraid to go to sleep. I would have nightmares and I hated going to sleep. And the reason I didn't like to go to sleep was because I didn't know whether if I died, where I would go. I'm not sure how long this went on, but I do remember distinctly the fear and the uncertainty every night. Now we had some visiting evangelists uh, from Fiji come to our mission station in, in PNG. And I've got no idea what they preached about, but I do remember going home that night and talking to mum and telling her about my fear of going to sleep. And she put her arm around me and took me into her room and we knelt beside her bed and I asked Jesus into my heart and I was immediately filled with peace. And that night I didn't have nightmares. I was filled with confidence and peace that I was going to go to heaven and be with God if I died that night. Well, I didn't, I'm still here. <laughs> <laughs> So I shared earlier about Dad's encouraging letters, um, but you know, I wasn't the only one that got Dad's encouragement. He, he encouraged people right up till the evening that he passed away and then some. You know, I, I feel so blessed to have had two parents who were strong, faithful believers 
and they lived their, th that life out and they shared Christ. Now they've both passed away, um, but the experience of witnessing them go from this earthly life is something that I treasure. And um, the stories I'm going to tell you, tell you now may be a bit strange and difficult, and, um, and I, I'm going to probably cry, but that's okay. <laughs> um, but I pray that you hear the message of the hope of heaven as I share these stories. Now, Dad was a paraplegic in the last nine years of his life. And being someone who, has, who was always on the go, who, who had always been on the go and been active all his life, this was really difficult. He and Mum had gone to Papua New Guinea as pioneer missionaries in the 1960s and had planted the new Wesleyan church up there. I heard stories later on of how before they got there, this group that they went to, um, people who had never heard about Jesus before, in fact had an oral story tra um, tradition about the fact that one day somebody was going to come and tell them about the saviour of the world. So when mum and dad went, they accepted this message very easily. But mum and dad trained up the local Papua New Guineans to take over the leadership of the church. And they were continually looking at ways to grow and disciple new believers. Dad was an evangelist. And when he was restricted to the wheelchair, that didn't stop him. He would share his faith with whomever and wherever he was, whether he was in the hospital or whether somebody was coming to take care of him at home. He would share Christ with them. But at times, as I said, he became very despondent. And he'd say something like this, I just wish that I could go to heaven so that I can get some new legs and run up those green hills of heaven, just like the green hills behind our first home in Thorpedale, Gippsland, down in Victoria. This earthly body was failing him, but he had the hope of heaven and a hope of being able to use legs again in heaven, and he looked forward to that. On the night that Dad died, Mum was sitting by his bed in the Kabulcha Hospital, and uh, she was holding his hand. Now, we knew that he was leaving this earthly body, and I'd been there the whole night before and, and all day, and I thought he was <laughs> going to go a bit more, but he died that evening. Mum told us that the, the nursing staff had put her into a recliner chair beside him, and she was just dozing off and, and holding his hand. And she had a vision of Dad running up the green hills behind the house in Thorpedale. And he turned away and round and he smiled and waved at her. And she woke up and he was gone. God gave that treasured vision to her to comfort and encourage her. But you know, that wasn't the end of Dad's encouraging and visiting that night. The next day we began to hear other stories from Papua New Guinea. A lady who had actually worked with us told us how her clan was in conflict with another clan. And on the night that Dad passed away, she said he visited her in a dream and he was wearing his Sunday white hat. He had a khaki hat for work, work, work days and a, Sunday, a white hat for Sunday. He encouraged her to speak up and to be an agent of peace. 
during this time of conflict. And she told us that she boldly stood up and she helped to bring reconciliation between the clans. Two other gentlemen that are very dear to me, they were first one of mum and dad's first converts and uh, they worked beside mum and dad. They, become, they went through Bible college and were pastors and were in ministry with mum and dad. Um, Pastor Hardiwar and Pastor Aliawi. And Pastor Aliawi came to uh, Pastor Hardiwar's house and, and Hardiwar said, oh, I just got a phone call to say that Hodgkin had died. They used his surname. They his, uh, said Hodgkin had passed away last night. And Aliawi said, I know he visited me in a dream. He told me to keep encouraging and evangelizing and disciple the younger generation so that the church will continue to grow and be strong. In January, I was in Port Moresby and I can tell you that that Pastor Aliawi is still there. Um, he has an umbrella and he just gets out and walks everywhere, visiting people in homes, visiting people in their workplace, in the hospital, and he is still encouraging and discipling the younger generation. Four years later, we were back there at the Kabucha Hospital by Mum's bedside. Mum had had quite a number of medical conditions, and uh, one of the appointments that I'd went with her I, at the end, I did go to a number of her appointments, and the doctor had said to her, "One day, Dorothy, the dominoes are going to start falling down." Well, the dominoes were falling down, and she was in the hospital, and. Um, she was sick and tired of being proked and prodded and, you know, pressed. She'd lived a full and faithful life. And her words to the doctors asking them to cease medication were, I'm ready to go home and meet my saviour and to see my husband. So Dallas and I were in the, the room. She hadn't spoken all day. And uh, we were just reading our Kindle books and the lights were dim. And I started to hear this murmur, this And I said, what is that? And I leaned in closely and mum was, it was mum, she was, she was praying. She was praying for her children and for her grandchildren and for her great-grandchild. And she was saying, Father, protect them. Father, encourage them. Strengthen them in their faith. Keep them strong, Father. The reverence of that moment was incredible. It felt like we were on the other side of the door listening as Mum was in the throne room of heaven talking with God. What a blessing. You know, Hebrews 12, 1 tells us Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. Those of faith who have gone on before us are cheering us on, are encouraging us. Last week, Dallas and I were at the Gabba 
And uh, we were watching the Brisbane Lions play. Unfortunately, they didn't make it, but that's okay. Anyway, as the home crowd, we were yelling and we were cheering them on every time they kicked a goal. And I know heaven is going to be a million times bigger than that, but that was a taste of what I believe as I, as I, as I read this verse, the great crowd of witnesses. I can see mum and dad there, and I'm sure many of you who have friends and family of faith who have gone before, encouraging us to continue on in our faith and our walk. And as the musicians come, I want to ask you some questions. I want to ask you, are you clear-headed and know the confidence of faith and salvation? Do you have the hope of heaven? Do you have the peace of knowing that you will go to heaven, that you will be with God? If you don't, I would ask you to do three things with me. While you're just sitting here in your seats or if you're online, I ask you to do three things. I ask you to accept that Jesus died for your sins, as Pastor Lionel spoke about in, the, in our communion time. I ask that you believe that he will take away those sins with the blood that he shed on the cross. And I ask that you confess in prayer. And as I, as I say this simple prayer, I ask for you online or here in the room that you will say it after me quietly. Dear Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you are the Son of God and that you died for my sin and that you were buried and rose again, as it says in the Bible. I believe that I will one day be with you in heaven. Amen. And if you prayed that prayer, I encourage you to contact somebody, to tell somebody. If you're online, contact our office through um, our website. There's phone contact and email contact details there. And I encourage you to connect with Pastor Jono or someone in our church. If you're here tonight in this room, make sure you come and talk to Pastor Jono or myself afterwards or one of the elders.